When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Glad to welcome you back to the Crimson Tide Sports Network, and it's time for The Other Booth. It's presented by U.S. Wellness Meats. Their animals eat like a champion. They're grass-fed and pasture-raised to U.S. Wellness Meats. Their animals eat right, so you can, too. Visit them at uswellnessmeats.com. Save 15% by using the promo code BAMA. As we're talking on this Tuesday afternoon, it's Alabama football getting ready to take on the LSU Tigers this Saturday in Baton Rouge, and now we're joined by the voice of LSU, Chris Blair, and Chris from Baton Rouge, how's everything going as we talk on Tuesday afternoon? Because obviously we know a lot can change between now and Saturday. Yeah, it's uh, well doing well. I'm doing well, and it's good to join you, Roger. Um, but yeah, it's hour to hour, day to day. I mean, it's you know, it seems like it's a little more impactful this week. But the truth is, since the start of the season, I think uh, every school, whether it be in the SEC or any school trying to to pull off football in 2020, I mean that kind of is the world we live in where you know you get to play a game and you're thankful you got to play the game and finish the game and then you re-rack everything on Sunday and Monday and then you go into that week um, you know based on tests and based on information whether or not you get to play again so uh, that's kind of where we are once again here this week. And, of course, we're hearing some reports that uh, several position groups are down to very thin depth if LSU is able to play. Uh, have you heard much on the numbers, what it could be looking like at this point for LSU, or what has Coach Ogeron said? No, he's been pretty uh, close to the vest. I mean, from what we've been able to you know, ascertain through media reports, it's, it's more about you know, making sure everybody has been tested. Those tests have been verified, and in some cases, I imagine, um, you know, which I'm sure Alabama fans – uh, are familiar with they test again uh, to make sure that it is a positive or it is a negative. Um, so there's really no numbers publicly being you know offered up, um, but I've heard the same things you have, which are there have been uh, position groups that uh, are either without scholarship players or they're down to one scholarship player. Uh, we don't know the numbers. It hasn't been uh, released as the number of players overall. And obviously that doesn't allow us then to to figure out which groups have been hit the hardest. but uh, obviously, there's a concern, and I think that concern started, uh, you know, this past weekend and even grew uh, yesterday on Monday of the week uh, as to uh, it, it could be an, an issue. And obviously, it is an issue now. And uh, obviously, the, the, the decisions 
are being handled and, and those conversations are being held at a much higher level. Well, as we talk now, the game is still on for Saturday between Alabama and LSU. And uh, let's just take a look at this LSU football team, two and three on the season coming into this game with Alabama. What has stood out in the two wins and also what stood out in the three losses? Well, I'll start with the losses. I mean, I think it starts defensively. It's just, uh, it's it's been a very, very uncharacteristic defense for LSU. Um, you know, and you can go back 10, 12, 15 years if you would like. Um, you know, the argument's always been, or the frustration for the most part has always been LSU's offense and their inability uh, to maybe score the points they need to, to win. Certainly that's been the issue over the last five or six years as offenses have become um, you know, the driving force in college football. Um, and so when you come into this year, you kind of think, okay, you did change from a three, four base to a four, three. So there'll be some, some, you know, bumps in the road, so to speak again, without having spring football to install that with a new coordinator. Uh, but I, I think it all, it takes all of us by surprise that, uh, you know, the problems continue and they seem to be similar problems. Uh, going back to week number one, where they're just busted coverages, something that you rarely see. I mean, it's one thing for in one-on-one -on -one coverage to for a receiver to make a play and uh, you know uh, you know do that, but when you when there's really no competition because they're wide open running down the field or they're wide open across the middle of the field, and then you go back and you watch the film and you realize that you know there were a lot of players that were not on the same page or they were confused as to where their assignment was. Um, that's very uncharacteristic, and that's been a problem, you know, going back to week number one. Uh, it looked a little bit better in the Vanderbilt game. It looked much better against South Carolina, uh, but then it looked uh, it looked similar in the loss to Missouri up in Columbia, and it looked very similar uh, in the loss to Auburn on the Plains a couple of weeks ago. So defensively, it's just kind of hard to, to fathom how those changes impacted the way they're playing on the field. Um, and again, I'm not in that locker room and I'm not in the practices, uh, day in and day out. So, uh, you know, it's, it's easy for me to sit here and criticize, but I think from a, just a 10,000 foot view, it's been, uh, you know, kind of a head scratcher as to why the defense has played, uh, the way they have, you know, really through five weeks of the season, uh, offensively outside of the Auburn game, I think coming into the year, Roger, people felt like, how could you even come close to replicating the numbers and even the points that you were able to score in 2019. And for the most part, um, even in the two first two losses, I mean, you were putting points up on the board. It, it again, falls back to defense, unable to get a stop. Um, but then against Auburn, again, you've been without Miles Brennan now for two games. and T.J. Finley looked great against South Carolina and then not so great when things started to roll south uh, against Auburn. Um, it just kind of snowballed quickly. But I think that's kind of – you know, you, you kind of get accustomed to that when you play a true freshman. You know, there's going to be times where they look uh, very, very good and in control. And then there's going to be times when they look like true freshmen. And that's kind of the case you have now. So uh, offensively, for the most part, I would probably give LSU a, a B minus. Uh, defensively, I think you're probably not passing at this point. At least that's listening to Coach Ed Ogeron. He's not been pleased with it at all. So I'd say they don't have a passing grade as we sit here five weeks into the year. You mentioned the quarterback situation. Miles Brennan has been out some with injury, and then T.J. Finley, Max Johnson. Just kind of what's the situation at quarterback heading into this game for LSU in a best-case scenario? Well, on Monday, Coach O you know, uh, came out right out of the gate and said Miles Brennan would not be available for this weekend. Uh, he then followed up by saying 
uh, he may not be back for the rest of the year. I mean, it may be an injury in which they need to, um, you know, go ahead and shelve him and do the things that are needed medically uh, to get him back to, to full health. Uh, again, he didn't say that was confirmed, but, you know, he said he's starting to he's starting to be told by the doctors, physicians and trainers that that might have to be the way they go. So that leaves you with T.J. Finley and Max Johnson, the only other two scholarship quarterbacks uh, that LSU has. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, Coach O said last week coming into the off week that, that the competition would go back to uh, even. Uh, going into that Auburn game and, and even the South Carolina game, uh, he made the decision that T.J. Finley would be the starter, although he said you would see both, would try to see both. Um, in the Auburn game, he got pulled early in the second half, and Max Johnson took over. Hard to say because the game was so lopsided at that point. It wasn't what – out of reach, but it was pretty close to being out of reach. Um, they're, they're similar in a lot of ways. I mean, they're going to run the same offense. There's probably a little more RPO with Max Johnson um, and, and TJ Finley than there is with Miles Brennan. Brennan's more uh, effective when the run game is going and he's able to work off play action where both Finley and Johnson are pretty comfortable running the RPOs, a lot of which you saw last year with Joe Burrow. Johnson's more of a running threat. Um, he's a fast quarter, uh, quarterback. He's faster than Joe Burrow. And we all know Joe had the ability when, when called upon to, to get the yards you need. So Johnson's probably a step faster, um, and, and was a dual threat quarterback in high school, Finley, more of a pocket passer and a, and a strong arm. Um, so as we sit here on Tuesday going into the game, um, you know, I don't know that O has designated who the starter would be. Uh, I imagine as we get closer to the game that he will, but right now it's, it's, it's kind of been led to uh, we've been led to believe that it's it's a competition to see who will get the start not only this week but moving forward possibly the rest of the year a few minutes ago you talked about the challenges this LSU team has had on defense now they get ready to take on an offense in Alabama that has a lot of things going for it uh, who are some playmakers that can help try to slow down what Alabama is trying to do well I think you know it's going to start and coach O is going to talk about it you know you got to you got to get pressure on Mac Jones, which again that's much easier said than done based on the way he's played and, and that incredible offensive line that Alabama has. Um, but you know when you look at the success, if 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 you want to look at some bright spots for LSU's defense, it would be the front four, and, and namely B.J. Ojolari, one of the defensive edge rushers, has been phenomenal. Um, I, I think he surprised a lot of people at how he's been able to come in and impact. He needs to get a little bigger in the coming years. Uh, but he's got a high motor and, and has a nose for the football. So he does a tremendous job. And then, of course, Derek Stingley. I mean, if Derek Stingley doesn't play well, there's, there's two ways Derek Stingley plays well, Roger. And that is, one, he takes half the field away and everybody avoids going that way, uh, which limits an offense, at least from a geographical standpoint. Uh, or if you're going to go at him, then he's got to play well, uh, because more times than not, he's going to be on uh, the key receiver, in this case, this weekend. Uh, Devontae Smith so uh, that's a battle I mean you're talking about two guys who are going to make a very good living at the next level going at it for x number of plays in a ball game um, but really those are the two guys you know they've struggled at linebacker Jabril Cox is a grad transfer that transferred in from North Dakota State um, and, and I think it's taken him a little time to adjust to power five football he's had good moments and then he's had not so good moments um, you know, Micah Baskerville played well in the last game, even in a loss, but he'd been kind of quiet the first four games of the season. Uh, and then Damone Clark, a guy that a lot of people felt like could be the headhunter at linebacker this year, 
uh, he's been the same way. I mean, he's had some great games where he's got double-digit tackles, and then there's games where he's completely out of position uh, in the middle of the field, has been a goldmine for the opposition. Um, but I think Ojolari and, and Derek Stingley, I mean, there are two guys that can, can rally the cause, and if they play well and they get a little bit of help from, from guys around them, uh, I guess I'll put it this way. The best way to put it is if Ojolari is held at bay and Derek Stingley has a bad day, it's probably going to be a long day for LSU. Well, last year it was a big day for LSU against Alabama. We just passed the one-year anniversary of that game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And as Chris, you kind of look back, it was a storybook season for LSU, one of the best college football seasons we've ever seen. How big of a chapter in that storybook season was the Alabama game for LSU fans? Well, for fans, yeah. I mean, that's the key. For fans, it was probably uh, the, the biggest piece. I mean, I know that sounds crazy to, to, to win the SEC title game against Georgia, uh, boat race Oklahoma, and then in the second half pull away from a very talented, um, you know, Clemson team. But, I mean, let's face it, when you've gone a decade, nearly a decade without a win in a game that you feel like is the game every year, you know, and I, I know Alabama has the Auburn game that is the game every year. Then there's really not a natural rivalry for LSU. So really, when you look back uh, to the 2011 season and how that played out, that, that kind of created that rivalry, maybe even more so for LSU than Alabama fans. Although I know Alabama fans certainly circle this game. Uh, and there's no maybe there's a little bit of respect, not a whole lot of love lost between the two fan bases. Uh, but for LSU, it was a huge part of, of that season. I mean, let's face it. Uh, I dare say that had LSU lost to Alabama in that game, somehow found a way into the college football playoff and went on to win a championship, there'd still be that one little piece that was missing as far as LSU fans are concerned. I think that's the best way to describe how big that win in Tuscaloosa was. Number one, because it was a long time coming. Uh, and number two, it, it was another piece in a 15-0 and season. So without that, uh, I mean, people would have been excited, but I think there would have been something missing um, and uh, that's how big that game was. Well, we are in the era of COVID-19, and with that, we're seeing social distancing at stadiums all across the SEC and the nation. So as we start to wrap things up, uh, what kind of atmosphere have you seen so far at Tiger Stadium? It's known as really one of the best in the SEC, but uh, Saturday evening, a little bit earlier, a kickoff coming up this week between Alabama and LSU, but what has the atmosphere been like inside one of the best places in the league, Tiger Stadium? Well, it has been different, and I know it's been that way at Bryant-Denny um, for some of the big games you guys have. But between COVID and hurricanes, uh, you know, we've only had two opportunities to play at home. Uh, and those two opportunities, obviously Mississippi State uh, and then the win over South Carolina, it is extremely different. But I will say, you know, give Tiger fans credit. Um, I'm not sure the exact number that were there. Um, but it, it was it was a loud venue, much louder than obviously the road venues we'd been had have been at so far this year that also had social distancing. Um, but it's it's not the same. Uh, you know, Coach O talks about it. Uh, when you go on the road, typically you have to create your own energy. Uh, this year, I think every team is faced with having to create their own energy within their home venues. Um, and you know, hopefully there'll be twenty to twenty five thousand fans in attendance. Uh, I know there's some tickets still available for that uh, even limited capacity. So it's kind of hard to figure, you know, how many people will be in there. Uh, but it certainly is it's, – it's not the same. And I think all college football fans, certainly across the SEC, can vouch for the fact that it's great that we have football and we shouldn't be complaining about whether or not you have 102,000 there or 20,000 there because we are getting to play the games. Uh, but you know as well as I do, 
part of the the fun of college football are those atmospheres, and and that's been a big missing part here in 2020, unfortunately, with what we've been facing. Well, we certainly hope that everyone at LSU continues to be healthy. Certainly hope this game can be played because it is such a fun matchup each and every year. And Chris, we just thank you for spending some time with us today on the network and uh, giving us your thoughts on the LSU Tigers. All the best to you. Oh, thank you, Roger. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to seeing you guys over here in uh, Baton Rouge this weekend. Look forward to it. That's the voice of the LSU Fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. I'm Roger Hoover. Thanks for watching the Crimson Tide Sports Network.